Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. May God bless you all. What a great joy, the privilege that we have today for the Lord to bless us in this manner, the Church of God as a whole and the church in Fort Lauderdale. We know that the Lord, when He brings us our sister Maria Luisa, He always fills us with blessings. Amen. Glory to the Lord. We're going to pray now, brothers and sisters. We're going to raise our voices to ask the Lord and let Him know that we're joyful because we're joyful. Amen, brothers and sisters. So let us tell Him, Blessed God, Heavenly Father, God of all glory, here we are, O Lord before your presence with our hearts with all our mind with all our being with the full desire to do for you everything that is right we will read a few verses in the bible we will sing hymns to you and we will praise your holy name with choruses choruses of exaltation and honor because you deserve it so my lord there is no being that is greater, that is more wonderful, that is more marvelous than you. For you have descended from your heights to fill our hearts with peace, with much joy, to speak to us through something that's so wonderful and marvelous, with the gift of prophecy, to visit us through dreams, to gift us of your manifestation through visions, heavenly things, things that only you allow, and that, O oh Lord, you allow for each one of us to experience for those of us who have come here. That's why we're here with our hearts full, full of joy, full of happiness, because we will learn and we will understand. But above all, may it be you weighing our hearts. And you know, O oh Lord, that we have within our hearts that full love for you with that servant that you have placed on this earth to govern your church. Lord, we express this all to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Glory to the Lord. We're going to be opening our Bibles, brothers and sisters, and we're going to be reading in the book of Ephesians. We're going to be reading in chapter number 6, and we're going to read starting from verse 10. What the Lord wants for us to do, for us to put on the whole armor of God, for our hearts to always be fortified, strengthened, and delighted in the full manifestation that God has for us. And it reads as follows in verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let us read altogether the following verse, verse 16. Above all, 
taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Amen. Glory to the Lord. You may take a seat, brothers and sisters. Now we're going to sing to the Lord. For the Lord to hear us, for the Lord to know that our voices are for Him. We're going to sing hymn number 52, In the Garden. to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses and He walks with me and He talks with me and He tells me
glory and honor are for our God. Are you joyful, brothers and sisters? So now let us stand to sing choruses to our God. Let us place our whole heart and reflect upon each word that we sing to the Lord. Because the blessings of the Lord are great and mighty. The Lord works miracles and wonders. Each one of us is a witness of it. No one needs to tell us about it, for we have lived it in fullness. Glory to the Lord. Glory to God. We always applaud for our King, for He is marvelous. We're going to sing chorus number 18. I know God is here, and God is here. Amen, brothers and sisters. Glory to the Lord. Let us sing this wonderful chorus for the Lord. blessing of heaven for us in this evening, for the word of God to come to us through our sister Maria Luisa. The Lord is going to bless us, is going to deliver us, and is going to fill us with that full splendor from Him. Sister, welcome to your home. Glory to the Lord. Good evening, beloved brothers and sisters. May the Lord bless you. And also a greeting for all who are going to have the opportunity to watch this video. 
this video of this Bible study here this evening in Fort Lauderdale in Florida. Therefore, everyone is welcomed. You and those who are going to watch this video in the future. A very warm greeting to all of you. Greetings to my beloved brothers and sisters. You may be seated. I know that there are many questions this evening, so we're going to take advantage of this time to ask our questions and remove doubts and our inquiries. So many things that we need to learn about, and this helps for the growth of our spiritual lives. But before this, we are going to read and we are going to open up our Bibles to Psalm 71. In Psalm 71, we are going to read quickly. For the glory and the honor to our God, and we give thanks to the Lord, because once again he allows us, the Lord gives us this marvelous opportunity to do the Bible studies, which I missed so much during the pandemic. It's been about three or four years since I've done a Bible study, but here we are once again because we delight in this. Therefore, we give thanks to the Lord. I give thanks to God for his mercy and thanks be to God because he has been manifesting himself with miracles and wonders. God has been blessing many people, many who are from the church and others who are not from the church. God has blessed them. He has healed them. He has comforted them. He has delivered many people. Therefore, we see God's mercy there and his love for his creation. Thank you. Glory be to God. Psalm 71, it says here, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Let us not forget, brothers and sisters, that when we read Psalms, the Lord Jesus Christ is the spokesperson or the one that presents himself before the Father in order to speak for us, to speak for his church, for the believers. At that time, the remnant existed. In the time that King David, God inspired him to sing many psalms and many spiritual songs that are spiritual, God was there talking about his remnant that he had hidden from which the Lord Jesus Christ would come from and then he would form his people. And that is why the Psalms are these prayers addressed to God and the Lord would speak for us to the Father, praying for us, knowing our needs. And so he always addressed him. That is why here when he says, let me never be put to shame. It wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ so much who needed for God to help him so that he wouldn't be put to shame. It was the people, the remnant, the people of the Lord, the believers, the followers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is who he is referring to in this psalm. That is why when we read with this mindset, we are going to understand it better. And in verse 2, it says, Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be my strong refuge to which I may resort continually. You have given the commandment to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. What beautiful words in which we also will memorize and we will tell them to our Lord in our prayers. 
Verse 4. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous. When it talks about the wicked, he means the enemy, the enemy that we have that are disturbing our spiritual lives continuously. That is the wicked one. Out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man, for you are my hope, O Lord God. You are my trust from my youth. From when the people of the Lord began in the wilderness, there in Egypt, then they fled Egypt through Moses' hand, and they were in the wilderness for 40 years. The people of Israel were there, but there was also the remnant. That chosen remnant was there in essence among some of them. And of the promise that God had made Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then he made that calling to Moses of his people. That is why here he speaks and says, You are my trust from my youth. When was the youth of that people? of those believers, of those followers in the wilderness with Moses. And he says, By you I have been upheld from birth. You are he who took me out of my mother's womb. My praise shall be continually of you. I have become a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. What words do we have to pray to our God with? As years go by and our strengths are gone, but there's this verse. It says, do not cast me off in the time of old age. Do not forsake me when my strength fails. Thanks be to God for these promises, because this prayer is also a promise that God listens to prayers and he makes promises to bless his children. Thanks be to the Lord. And it says in verse 10, For my enemies speak against me, and those who lie in wait for my life take counsel together, saying, God has forsaken him. Pursue and take him, for there is none to deliver him. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he was preaching on earth, he was persecuted by the enemy, the wicked ones. O God, do not be far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. Let them be confounded and consumed, who are adversaries of my life. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor, who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth shall tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day for I do not know their limits. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of your righteousness of yours only. O God, you have taught me from my youth, and to this day I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. These words in verse 18, they are words that only can be said by those who are chosen by God. Those who have the promise of the Lord when the Lord said and told them, go and preach the gospel around the world. Preach. 
And that order from God that was given to his apostles in the beginning, that order God continues to give. And he continues to manifest himself in our lives, in our hearts. And he continues to speak to us, saying that he will use us as instruments to evangelize and to speak to people about God, about the righteous way, about happiness and peace. And these promises are also so that we today may take them for ourselves personally. And in verse 19, it says, Also your righteousness, O God, is very high. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you, you who have shown me great and severe troubles, shall revive me again and bring me up again from the depths of the earth. You shall increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. Thanks be to our God. What words, what comfort, what promises from God to his followers that we may be worthy of receiving these blessings from God. In verse 22, also with the lute, I will praise you and your faithfulness, O my God, to you I will sing with the harp, O Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing to you and my soul, which you have redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long. So it is not bad to talk about God. It is not bad to reflect and to think in the Lord always, to always think about God in every moment of our lives, in any place we find ourselves in, in the place that we go to, everything that we observe around us, every scenery, landscape, that we may contemplate the multitudes or the buildings and cities. There we see God's hand. There we see God's greatness. There are our thoughts saying all of these things God made. God made materials to build this. God made it all so that human beings could develop and create many things on this globe. And so all is given by God's hands. That is how powerful he is. That is how great and righteous and merciful he is. And therefore we, we should feel proud of God. Proud of having known this way. Of having known this powerful God that manifests himself. That his Holy Spirit is there ready to help us to press on, to triumph. We give thanks to our God because he helps us in the difficult moments of our lives. And these psalms and words filled with commitment from our God to us. And also, we are committed to him. All of this fills us with hope. Every day that goes by, and we believe in the Lord and we say, God exists. You exist. You are real. And lastly, in verse 24, it says, My tongue also shall talk of your righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought to shame who seek my hurt. So God is there, ready to help us, to protect us, to keep us, and comfort us. Let us trust in God. 
Let us trust in the Lord. We cannot doubt God. If you have difficult moments in your life, problems or illnesses, cry out to the Lord. Ask God. Do not wait for someone to pray for you. No, pray for me. If they do not lay hands on me, then I will not receive anything. I will not have anything. Do not wait for that. Your prayers are valid before the Lord. Your prayers are important and God listens to them. You need to pray with certainty, with conviction, trusting that God is watching you and is listening to you and that God is going to have mercy. And when you go to the congregation, when you congregate, then if they lay hands on you or they pray for you, then what wonder, thank you. But you have already done this. You have presented yourself before God and you have asked him with all of your heart about any situation or tribulation, whatever it may be, whatever is occurring in your life, whether you are lacking a job, lacking money, living through scarcity, you are between life and death and there are dangers. God is there. He is listening to the prayer. Therefore, we ought to trust in the Lord and we ought to honor and glorify God through that trust and that faith in Him. And to try every day as well to please Him, to say, God, help me, help me to please you because I have weaknesses and flaws. I have many things and I cannot, by myself, I cannot change. But you are going to help me because I want to please you because you deserve it. Therefore, may the glory be for our God and we give thanks to the Lord for all of these marvels And thanks be to our God for allowing us to have these wonderful psalms. They are for us and for posterity because from there we learn how to have a fellowship with the Lord. Very well. Thank you, brothers and sisters. Now we are going to begin with the questions because I want to make time for the questions that we are going to be learning many things from. And we're also going to be edified. We are all Edified spiritually with these questions. Good afternoon, Sister Maria Luisa. In Deuteronomy, chapter number 12, verse 13, the people before entering the land of Canaan, well, God gave them ordinances. And he told them to take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see. Could we take this ordinance today for us who are that living sacrifice for the Lord to not enter into just any religious place where they mention God? Today, we live a very different stage than the one that the Israelites lived when they were going to enter the promised land. And here in Deuteronomy, we find a repetition of laws once again, where Moses repeats to the people again about what God had ordered. And when he says, take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, because he says, 
I am going to introduce you to the land of Canaan and there you will establish yourselves and you will create the nation and there will be my temple. That was God's plan. That is what truly happened. Although there weren't fulfillments of the plan or project that God had to create a perfect and holy people, a people that did not commit sin but lived in holiness and would be different than other nations. It was difficult because that did not happen, but the temple was built. Solomon built a temple, and God ordered for everyone to travel to Jerusalem to worship and to give their offerings. And we today, when the Lord Jesus Christ came, And since the law of Moses was not fulfilled, the Lord came to fulfill the law of Moses because no one was able to fulfill it. No one was able to fulfill this verse that says, take heed to yourselves that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place. No one could fulfill it. So the Lord Jesus Christ came and fulfilled the entire law. The Lord said that not one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till it is all fulfilled. And he fulfilled that law in his project or the covenant that he made with his fathers that he would fulfill the law and then he would annul it. And that is what happened. When was this? When the Lord sacrificed himself on the cross of Calvary, there the law of Moses was annulled and removed. And so now, people were not going to fulfill this verse. To take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see, but in the place which the Lord chooses. That is when this is annulled. And from then on, there was a new method of salvation. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, All who believe in me, I am the one who will give you salvation. Because I am the way, because I am the life, and I am the truth. And so he who believes and follows me will have eternal life. And that is how he taught everyone. That is how he taught Nicodemus when he asked, What must I do to attain eternal life? And he said, You need to be born of water and of the Spirit. And this way you will be saved. So where will be the place of worship. Remember when the Lord spoke to the Samaritan woman and the Samaritan woman said, Lord, my ancestors said that we need to go to Samaria to the temple that is there to worship there. And the Jews say that it is in Jerusalem where you ought to worship. So where are we going to worship? And the Lord Jesus Christ was clear and said, there will be a time, the day is coming when not even in Samaria nor Jerusalem will you worship God. In none of these places will you find the temple of God, because God is spirit. And from now on, the worshipers that God wants will worship him in spirit and in truth. So from now on, the heart of each man or woman who convert to the Lord, they will be the temple of God. They will be the place chosen to offer their burnt offerings. And those sacrifices were continued, but they 
were no longer sacrificing animals or by shedding the blood of animals. But it is the heart of human beings to turn away from sin and wickedness. That is a sacrifice for a person. A person after they have a vice. They have a habit of committing a sin and they do it out of pleasure. For them, it is a sacrifice to turn away from this and to forget about this. And they say, I cannot. And I like this. For example, getting drunk, those who are alcoholics, that is my pleasure. Or he who is a drug addict, that is my pleasure. I feel pleasure doing these things. Or murderers, those who steal, that is a pleasure that I have doing these things. And if I'm going to remove them, I have to sacrifice myself. It is a sacrifice. I cannot. That is the sacrifice when the Lord in Psalms teaches us that we had to sacrifice to God by worshiping and praying to sacrifice yourself for the person to remove that sin that is within them and to please God. Of course, as a human being, they cannot achieve this, but God or the Holy Spirit was going to help them to change. Therefore, this way, these sacrifices or burnt offerings would not exist. Animal sacrifices would become sacrifices in a spiritual sense. Just as in antiquity, there were, for example, circumcisions. Circumcision in the gospel became a spiritual sense, which was to circumcise your heart to stop sinning. That was circumcision. In antiquity, it was physical. But after Christ, everything became different in a spiritual sense. The temple of the heart of someone who loves God is the temple of God. So sacrifices are to stop sinning, to sacrifice our flesh from our appetites and pleasures, and that we may please God. So in this way, here in these ordinances that we are reading here in Deuteronomy, we read Deuteronomy and we see or we learn at least the way in which God ordered Moses to teach the people to do these things and to stop doing those things. And we understand that God orders and he wants to be obeyed. And when you obey him, God blesses. And when you do not obey, God punishes as well. That is what we learn. But we are not going to cast aside ever. We are never going to cast aside these precious books, these books from Moses, because there we have learned how God began to manifest himself to human beings, how God began to bless and to punish and to reward the obedient and also those who are disobedient went through bitterness and sadness in their lives because they did not please the Lord. So this way, we wisely read the entire Bible. But with wisdom, we also know that we have to fulfill and what not to fulfill physically. For example, in antiquity, you weren't allowed to work on the Sabbath. After the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I am the Sabbath. I am the day of rest. So rest in me, rest in me. And so we are keeping the Sabbath still, but spiritually, because we are resting in the Lord. He is our day of rest. And since he is our rest, 
then he deserves for us as well to give him what he wants to please the Lord by turning away from sin and worshiping his name. Very well. These are the changes and all of these things and many more where we don't have time to list the comparisons from life in antiquity and life now with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he may help us to fulfill his word. May the Lord help us. Very well. Let us continue with another question. Sister Maria Luisa, the Church of Fort Lauderdale extends a warm greeting. We are so joyful to have our spiritual mother with us who comes to nourish us with such rich teachings. Thank you for having the willingness and we love you in the Lord. The question is in Second Chronicles chapter 19. Second Chronicles 19, yes. Verse 1 to 3. Yes. Yes, sister. Can I read, sister? Then Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you, in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. Beloved Sister Maria Luisa, in these verses we see how the Lord admonishes Jehoshaphat for helping the wicked and loving those who hate the Lord. As you have taught us through today, we are able to understand that even when we want to help, we should consult God first, so that the will of God can be done towards the right person and in the right place and time. We see that although King Jehoshaphat had a willing heart to seek the Lord and had removed the wooden images, there came the wrath of the Lord for helping a king that hated the Lord. Personally, I have always been inclined to helping others, but when I first came to church, the Lord in His great mercy said to me in prophecy that He would show me who I should and who I shouldn't help, because those people and institutions that were supposed to be of charity had nothing of God and would not be grateful. If you could please help us, guide us, for our own edification, as believers of the Church of God Ministry of Jesus Christ International, how can we be careful to not help the wicked, because many times they are dressed up as a family member, friend, or even an apparent charity? Thank Very you, well, sister. Sister, so. You have said that the Lord told you to not help just anybody. The Lord does this not with everyone, only with some people. And yes, really, this king, King Jehoshaphat, it says that these people were wicked and evil and they were God's enemies. And the king was supporting them, but they were God's enemies. One thing is if they are God's enemy, and another thing is if it's a person who is in need, who lives in the world, who is in need, and it's not their fault that they do not know God because they have not received the opportunity. So you see this person and you give a helping hand, but you also speak to them about God and you say, seek God, trust Believe in God. You see, this is the difference. So let us not make mistakes or be extreme 
and go to both extremes. But always with wisdom, find the middle ground because we can't close our heart and close doors to people who really need it and say, no, 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 because God has not given me the order to help them. No, you help. You give your help and you talk to them about God and you invite them to come to church to know God. Now, for the people who become God's enemies and this person begins to shout and say, I do not believe in that church. I am from my religion. They begin to say these things. Then that is where everything ends. That is where your friendship and help ends. But while the person does not reject God and the person says, yes, I want to go to the place that you are inviting me to. I want to know God. And so we cannot deny them help. We need to help people. We need to help them. It is very different as I repeat once again, that this king was with people who were wicked, who did not believe in God and were God's enemies. They were idolaters. And the king was also committing idolatry with these people offending God. It is very different when today we ought to help many people and help people, but they are not God's enemies. Surely we speak to them, we invite them, and people will accept and they will want to know God's way. So there are two different things. So we ought to have wisdom before all, have wisdom for everything. God's enemies are those who do not deserve it. God's enemies. But there are many people that although they do not know God, that does not mean that they are God's enemies, but that the day will come that someone will speak to them about God and they will accept it. So we ought to have wisdom for everything, our behavior in life. That is why the Lord Jesus said, if you see someone who is hungry, then give them food. Also, the Lord Jesus Christ taught, if your enemy asks you for food, then give them food. But that enemy became enemy because of specific reasons, not because they are God's enemies. They were enemies with the person themselves, not with God. So the Lord Jesus says, if your enemy is hungry and asks you for food, then give them. If someone is asking for help, you help them because it is your enemy, but not God's enemy. So have wisdom with everything and prudence so that we may not become into fanatical people because sometimes people, when they become fanatical, they are extremists and they say, no, 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 I am not going to help them until God reveals it to me or God tells me. And we forget that there are many things in the Bible that we learn that we don't need for God to tell us to give or not to give. Very well, our heart is the one that sometimes tell us to help someone because one day that person will come to God one day they will follow me to see where I go and they will find the church of God, just as it has happened to us in life. Yes, very well. Thank you. Let us continue with another question. Let us continue there. Yes. Good evening, Sister Maria Luisa. Good evening, brothers and sisters. May God bless you all. 
Sister, thank you for your presence here in the Church of Fort Lauderdale because this evening we're having a spiritual celebration and you're that excellent teacher that is teaching us. And I personally give thanks to the Lord because I delight myself greatly in the Bible studies that you have uploaded to the webpage of the church. And it's a great desire of mine to be here before you to ask you this question. And thank you, sister, because those Bible studies are a great source of learnings for the church to grow spiritually, for the church of God to grow spiritually. And sister, if you allow me, I have a question based on the Bible. The question is found in Revelations chapter 19 in verse number 20. The word of the Lord reads as follows. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Sister Maria Luisa, in many occasions you, where you have taught us that before, behind images, behind statues, behind those idols is the enemy, the devil there, listening to the prayers and all that is asked before these images, before these idols. And as I read this verse in the Bible, if you allow me, sister, if I'm correct or otherwise, please correct me. When I read the portion where it says that he deceived, that the false prophet deceived those who were before his image, it came to mind that, that what you taught us where the devil is listening to us and in many cases the people might receive some sort of benefit, but it's not from God, it's, but it's the devil deceiving them. And it's pro he's provoking them to displease God by through idolatry. And so, sister, I would like if you could please explain regarding the beast and that false prophet. Is it referring to the hosts of heaven, which was cast away from the presence of God along with, with the devil? Or is it a another manifestation of the well. devil? That is a manifestation of different people. Here, we do not know if they are physical people who are going to rise up in the world. As science progresses, technology, everything is rising. And we don't know what the devil is going to place in humans to invent to go against God. And if we are speaking physically, it's it's possible that a person who is a false prophet could rise, but that person would have to be powerful and great in entity. Governmental, perhaps, or political, or scientific. But we don't know. They might rise and deceive the world, and God would have to punish those institutions, governments, thoughts of people who are going to turn away from God's path, who will forget about God just as others have already forgotten God because we see how humankind does not remember God's existence. And although there are catastrophes and so many things occur, People never say, I'm going to trust in God. I'm going to call upon God. But they seek 
wisdom and knowledge of humans, of humankind. They turn to government to give them the solution to everything, to answer them. But they never say, let us seek God. Maybe that is what we are missing. And so let us not doubt that later on, this false prophet, which is not going to be just anybody, but it will be something that will be ruling the world with the beast. It might not be the beast on its own, but it might have many followers. That is a possibility. Here in Revelation, it is difficult for us to go and give a human interpretation because God is speaking many mysteries. When God, for example, speaks about Babylon, as it says in Revelation, he is speaking about thousands of people and governments and worldwide things that are going to control the world. They are going to control it. They will control it and rule over it. Removing the idea of God and inventing many things. If we're already seeing so much corruption, we are seeing marriages. The day will come, let us not doubt, that humans will even get involved with animals to say that it's legal for animals to be with humans as if they were a couple. Let us not doubt because through time, the devil will use many people. He will use many things to invent things so that evil may multiply and humankind may corrupt itself. And once it's corrupted by evil and sin, God is going to send these punishments. That is when God begins to send punishment. And that is when destruction comes. Because when you read in Revelation that the end will not come, evil and sin will multiply itself in all the world in such a way that it will be sorrowful and it will be chaotic. Our poor future generations. Poor them. Because if they do not cling to God and they do not seek God, they will suffer consequences from that chaos, from evil. It says that when Sodom and Gomorrah, when they reached the limit of their sin, God destroyed them. But here in Revelation it says that God will also destroy when humankind is at its peak of sin, of evil. And so these people are not of the angels that rebelled. It is separate. They are things that are separate for the world. And a false prophet and a beast will represent it, but its magnitude and its power is giant, giant, that involves the world. That is why we must seek God and be sincere and honest with God. And let us ask our God to keep and protect our future. The people, the generations that are to come, the 
children of our children of our children, that they may know God's way because this powerful force of the enemy, the enemy of God, that is contaminating the world. They have taken down the world and we do not know what we're going to hear or see later on, but the future generations are the ones who are going to suffer the consequences. Never turn away from God's way because God blesses the children of the children of the children. That is what it says in the psalm. It says in a psalm, the marvelous promise of the Lord. So for now, let us press on and let us seek God. Never turn away from God's way. Whatever may come, whatever happens, whatever laws they approve of in the world, whatever the governments decide to do, if it's something that is forced, then we are going to have to do whatever they force us to do. But while it's optional, let us turn away and let us protect our lives so that we may live happily the days that we are to live in our lives. Very well, let us continue. Yes, sister? Good evening, Sister Maria Luisa. I have a question, sister, here in the Bible in chapter 2 of the book of Luke, verse 21 to verse 22. Luke 2? From verse 21? Yes, to 22. Yes, sister, you may read. And when the eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Sister, my question is, in these days, we bring our children here to the church in order to present them to the Lord. And... I asked myself about those parents who completed this act outside of the church because they had not come to know the Lord here in his church. And in general, what kind of effect, mainly a spiritual one, does it carry for our children to be presented before the Lord, understanding that there also exists free will? Thank you, sister. Well, the presentation of children to the Lord, that is a blessing. It is a blessing. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit, in the beginning, taught many people as they came when the church began and people were coming. He would speak to them and say, present to me your children. The Holy Spirit taught us many things. He taught us about marriage. He taught us about water baptisms. He taught us so many things. And that is why we saw that we needed to do this. And we teach people that to present their child to the Lord, we say, I present to you my child that you may keep him, protect him, and one day he may walk in your way and be protected and kept by him. That is what is beautiful. That is what it's done. So it doesn't necessarily have to do with free will. Yes, it's a person decision. If a person wants to or doesn't or understands or doesn't. And it could be at every age. It doesn't necessarily need to be a newborn. 
Yes, let us continue. Good evening, Sister Maria Luisa. All of us here in the congregation of Fort Lauderdale extend to you a very warm greeting. In Isaiah 45, verse 6. Yes. Can I read, Sister? Yes, Sister. And it reads as follows. That they may know from the rising of the sun to its setting that there is none besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. Sister, my question is, if we understand God's sovereignty, that he covers it all and isn't all, that a tree's leaf is not moved unless the Lord wills it. I would like for you to clarify, how could we come to understand why there is so much evil, so many negative things that occur, knowing that either God is allowing it or it is part of his doing for some strong reason that we may or may not understand. But it is a question that many times is asked by people who do not follow this path of the Lord, and sometimes I simply do not know how to answer. All of this happens for not knowing God. For whatever circumstance or reason, people do not know God. Because they do not want to, because they are self-indulgent, disobedient, unbelievers, because they do not care, because they want to satisfy their appetites, their desires. Here on earth, we have the enemy with his army, with his millions of demons. And... He is God's enemy and he's on earth. And of course, he goes and possesses human beings. He possesses them to harm. And he enters and possesses those who have in their heart the desire to do evil. Because he is not going to enter a heart that wants to do what is good, who wants to be righteous, but seeks who is suitable so that he can dwell in that person. And since here on earth, there is that enemy with his millions of angels who used to be angels, but now they are demons or evil spirits. They are the ones that incite what we see daily on the news or on social media. We see All that happens with violence, with wickedness, sin, death, robbery, so many things that we see on the news, so many unpleasant things, anger. We see this because the enemy provokes people. He provokes the child, the young person, the elderly, the adult, He is provoking them to do evil. The followers of God, we are very few. If we are going to compare ourselves to the world, we are not even a dot on the globe. 
all who are followers of God, but there is a mass of people that follow wickedness. And that is why we see all of these things. And so people say, but God is merciful, but God is love. But God presented two ways in the beginning, the way to follow God and the way to perdition self-indulgent people who do evil. God has always manifested himself to humankind. But humankind has rejected him. And to this day, humankind rejects God. How many people come, how many people listen to the word of God and they do not care, they do not seek God. They hear God, but they continue in their world. They continue because they love the world more than doing what is good or pleasing God. So God is not going to force people or will he go and be merciful and loving with rebellious, stubborn people who have known his way, but they have disregarded it. He lets them be. That is free will too. He lets them be and people listen and they see these churches and know the ranks and watch religious shows, but people do not want to convert and they are suffering the consequences. The evil that happens in the world are the consequences of disobeying, of not believing, of not loving God, of not wanting to do what is good, but to continue in evil. So people ask and say, no, but God is merciful. But God has given people opportunities and people do not want it. They do not seek him. They do not care. That is why we fight here to testify, to evangelize. We fight to teach people, but it's difficult because there is a tendency. There are very strong genes from the very beginning. Wickedness, sin. It says that humankind, their tendency is to do what is evil. That is humankind's tendency to do what is evil. And the Lord sees that and he lets them be. He lets people be and let them do what they want. And when someone knows God and they begin to cry out saying, Lord, help me. I want to know your way. I want to serve you. I want to please you. I want to have peace and happiness. Help me. God says, Follow me because I will help you. Persist. Fight. Be courageous. Make an effort. Be faithful. Do not get tired. Press on. Continue to read the Bible. Continue to attend church. Continue to pray and I'm going to give you happiness and your loved ones and your family as well. That is what God does. That is God's mercy. But God allows the rebellious and foolish do what they want. That is the answer that you ought to give people who ask you these questions. You say, I know the Bible and I have been reading the Bible and I have peace and I have happiness. God makes me promises. He fills me with blessings and I am happy because of this. You can do the same. Do the same. Read the Bible. Seek God. I invite you to the place where I attend and you make your decision and you will see that you are going to be thinking differently from now on about God, whether or not he is merciful or not with people.
Let us continue. Yes, sister, you said you had it two questions? something short. It yes. is in regards to giving. There are many scriptures that refer to giving. In Luke 6, 30 says, Give to everyone who asks you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. I find myself many times driving, and there are people everywhere asking for money on the streets. You just said a while ago that well, we should have wisdom. Well, if you'd like to carry around a big bag of money and coins and you want to give it to everyone you see on the street, you can. But if you can, don't do it. Maybe give it to two or three and that's it. You see? <laughs> but, but yes, you could do this. So you feel happy because you say, well, I gave some money to this person. But some people might say, why do you give money to these people? They use it to buy drugs. They use it for what is bad. I don't care about what they're using that money for. In my conscience, I'm happy and joyful that I gave him some money. It's for me. It's for my happiness, not for his. <laughs> Very well. Let us continue. Yes, sister. Good evening, sister. Welcome to the church in Fort Lauderdale. We are so happy to see you in person. My question is about Numbers, chapter 14, verse 18. The Lord is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means clears the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. The question is related to the fact that many times we feel that we have to go through so many things and not necessarily due to our behavior, but because of our family or genetics. It's the inheritance. Exactly. That Very is it. Well. If you could explain. Well, I do want to tell you that this ordinance or this law of the Lord where he tells Moses that they would be paying for it to the third and fourth generation. To this day, we, we are paying something because of the third and fourth generation. Why? Because at that time, thousands of years ago, the fathers in antiquity, they committed sin and they offended God. And they said, up to the third and fourth generation, so-and-so will be punished. So, so-and-so made it to the third and fourth generation, and those people received their punishment. But it turns out that God wanted for that fourth generation to repent and seek God. Please, God, and since they did not do this, the Lord said, okay, so you were the fourth covered with the sin of your ancestors, but since you did evil, you will be punished until your fourth generation. And so on, brothers and sisters, let's do the math. Do the math. It was like this successively. Until today, the third and fourth generation has not ended that had been covered by the punishment of God because they sinned. And so we, who are with the Lord, I think that my third and fourth generation's will not be punished because here I saved them. But, but if in my fourth generation, there are people 
who do evil and they do not want to seek God and they do not want to please, but they continue to sin and do what is evil, what happens? Well, the fourth generation, the other fourth generation of Maria Luisa will receive the punishment. And you see that thousands of years have gone by and that's what's been happening because it's successively like this, successively. The third and fourth generation, how did you behave badly? So now your fourth generation is going to suffer. And then their fourth generation, if they do evil, then the other fourth generation until today. That is something successive. It's like a chain. It's like a chain that never ends. And that is why we, in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, each one of us keep ourselves, we protect ourselves from offending God. And do we repent and we seek God? And we press on and we ask the Lord, Lord, that the children of the children of the children of my children may seek you until you come in the clouds for your church. And sometimes I pray like this to the Lord, that everyone may be in the church. They all may seek God until he comes in the clouds. I say this to the Lord because that is what happens. That as the generations go on and until now, there is evil, there are curses, there is witchcraft, there is sorcery, and those curses cover people. When we come to church, the Lord cleanses us, delivers us, removes witchcraft and sorcery, and removes curses, and we always suffer a little of the scourges that come from the curses from our ancestors. But God then gives us happiness and peace. He comforts us because he makes us promises. So we live happily with God's promises. But what do you think about this succession? Over thousands of years until now, this is what happens. Well, we are not going to be discouraged, nor, no, we just have to be with God. Whoever lives with God lives happy. Let us continue another question. Yes, sister. Sister, good evening. Welcome to Fort Lauderdale. We are very happy that you're here with us. You are so beautiful. Looks so beautiful today. <laughs> sister, my question is in Matthew chapter 25. Yes, sister, you may verse read. 14. It speaks regarding the parable of the talents. And in verse 14, it says that a man called his servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And it says, to each according to his own ability. And he went on a journey. I understand that the ability is based on the willingness one has in the heart, meaning when the believer prepares their heart, has a greater ability to understand or comprehend the things of God. And here in the parable it says that to one, five was given and earned five more. The other received two and earned two more, meaning they had the abilities, had willing hearts, and there was a third that did nothing with that talent. My question, sister, is those abilities that God gives and he gives to the children of God, are they abilities to be pillars in the future? Or are they pillars because they have a willing heart? That is my question. Very well. So it says here 
in Matthew 25, verse 14 says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man. It is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two. Talents were coins, right? And so he gave one to five, to another two, and to another one. To each according to his own ability. He gave those coins and then he went on his journey. And so because it says, for the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus Christ was going to rise to heaven, he spoke to the apostles and said, go and preach the gospel. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved. And in other verses, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He said, go work miracles, heal, preach the gospel around the world. And I'm going to give you the sign. The sign that I'm going to give you is that you will speak new tongues. Others are going to lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. And others will take up serpents and they will not harm them. And if they drink anything deadly, then it will not hurt them because God will protect them. He gave them orders and he also gave them power. That power was given in the Acts of the Apostles the Lord said, do not leave Jerusalem and wait until the power from on high comes to you and you are clothed with the power from on high. So this way, you go, work, evangelize, and fulfill the orders that I give you. Because at that moment, that man was the Lord Jesus Christ. He was going far and he gave each person the order according to their ability, according to their faith and their condition, according to their trust, and according to the person, he would give the gifts to work for them to evangelize. So he said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. And so he gave them the Holy Spirit. He filled them all with it. And they began to prophesy. And that day, there were so many miracles and so many wonders among the people they were working their talents that the Lord had given them. The talents, they began to work them. To some, he gives more. To others, he gives less. And either way, the person has to work and fulfill their duty. Today, the Lord does the same or he is doing the same with us. The Lord gives a calling. And to each person, he says, I have given you gifts. You have to lay hands. You have to pray for the sick. You have to advise, teach, guide people to the right way. Teach them doctrine. Pray for people. Advise, teach, correct. If someone is committing offenses, weaknesses, sins, tell them, correct them. So it's all of those talents that God has given people that each person needs to work and serve God so that the day that this person dies and presents themselves before the Lord, then they arrive with all the fruits. 
and they can say, Lord, the order that you gave me, I worked them and here I bring you the fruits that I harvested in my life. And so the Lord asks, how many talents did you bring? And the Lord does not want anyone to hide the talent because it says that that one person who had one talent never served him. He never laid hands. He never prophesied. He never advised people. He never had a good testimony or gave a good example. On the contrary, he became a stumbling stone for others. So he buried that talent and God charges them for that. So that is what that parable of the talents means. Very well. Let us continue. Two more questions. Yes, brother. Good evening, sister. May the Lord bless you and your family. Buenas noches, hermana. Que Dios la bendiga a usted y a su familia. I'd yes. like to ask a question on uh, cha uh, Numbers chapter 22, verse 7 and 8. Me gustaría hacer una pregunta en el libro de Números, capítulo número 22, versículos 7 y 8. Sí. Uh, may I read? Que si puede leer el hermano. Sí, 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 sí. And it says, So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the diviner's fee in their hand, and they came to Balaam and spoke to him the words of Balak. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed within with Balaam. Versículo número 7. Fueron los ancianos de Moab y los ancianos de Madian con las dádivas de adivinación en su mano, y llegaron a Balaam y le dijeron las palabras de Balak. Él les dijo, reposad aquí esta noche y yo os daré respuesta según Jehová me hablare. Así los príncipes de Moab se quedaron con Balaam. And so my question, sister, is uh, Balaam was not, an, was not from the tribe of Israel or from the people of Israel. And so how did he have the ability to come and seek God? How did he know to speak to the Lord? And the second question is when the Lord spoke to him, how was he not amazed or surprised since he did not have this uh, He was not part of this people. El hermano tiene dos preguntas. La primera es, eh, si Balaam no hacía parte del pueblo de Israel, ¿cómo sabía él? ¿Cómo consultar a Dios? Y la segunda pregunta es, cuando lo consulta y el Señor le responde, ¿cómo Balaam no se sorprende de esa manifestación? Very well. Is that the first question? Balaam did not belong to the people of Israel. He was pagan. He was a foreigner. And the kings of those cities that were going against the Israelites, they went to Balaam and they paid him to curse the Israelites to the people of Israel. That is why God gave an experience to Balaam, a very strong experience because God used Balaam being a false man, a false prophet. He was a pagan prophet, a soothsayer, and God used him to speak through him, that is what God did. He used Balaam himself, saying, what are you going to do? You cannot curse what I have already blessed, because God had already given the blessing to the people of Israel, and the word of God could not be broken. And the Lord tells Balaam, What are you going to do? Curse them when I've already blessed them? And so Balaam was fearful because he realized that he was before our God. 
and he was fearful and he wanted to flee and hide. But another king insists and says, take the money and you have to curse the people of Israel. That is why Balaam said, I'm going to go, but I will speak what God tells me. Balaam realized that God was there and that he was going to curse, but he was going to speak the words that God gave him, being a soothsayer. And that is what happened. Balaam went to curse, but God made him give a blessing because later on we see the blessing and God used the soothsayer, Balaam, to bless the people of Israel because that was the Lord's will because he had already blessed them. So he punished Balaam and Balaam was punished very badly later on and he took his life and his family as well for having proceeded in a very greedy way where he was bought with money going to curse knowing that God said do not do it because I have already blessed the people and he continued to insist in order to obey the king that hired him for that curse and that is what happened and there we see and we learned so many things how in one moment in one moment given in life God uses a soothsayer or uses someone who is who is false and a liar. God uses them for a moment because God is power. For him, there is nothing that is impossible. But that does not mean that that person was living righteously before the Lord. Just because God used him for a moment does not mean that he is living righteously before the Lord. God does what he wants. He does this. And we need to learn to know God. We need to learn to know God, how the Lord is. How is God love or God a consuming fire or stern or how that God of love and mercy is. We need to know God and his power, the way that he manifests himself in all moments of life with whomever he wants to. So we are not going to be confused, but we are going to learn to know God. Because for God, there's nothing impossible. Is there another question? Yes? Sister Maria Luisa, it is of great joy for me to be able to ask you this question. And it is a promise of the Lord fulfilled. My question is in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1 to 4. Can I read? And it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. My question, Sister Maria Luisa, is that... The Lord has said to me through prophecy that he would be testing me like gold and silver. And we know that the enemy is always around and knows our weaknesses and constantly generates situations in our lives to make us fall. My question is in how can we take that sword of the spirit of word of God to defend ourselves from the devil and be able to reach all of the blessings that the Lord promises us. Very well. Thank you, sister. 
the sword of the spirit is to have to have God to have God dwelling in our heart because God is spirit the sword of the spirit the sword is to defend yourself and if i have the spirit of god then i am there protected from all evil and all harm so let us fight to have our god in our being that is our fight that is our objective here in this journey that we are on in our spiritual life to have god that he may dwell with us and when he dwells with us then he keeps us he gives us happiness peace we live well in this world in the midst of so much pain and sadness that we see and we hear about yet we will live happily because god must dwell in our heart that is the sword of the spirit very well let us stand we're going to pray and we are going to pray and ask the lord to manifest himself with miracles with wonders that the lord may heal people who are sick ask the lord for healing in your body and if there are petitions or needs or wishes of your heart as well we are going to present them before our lord let us pray to the lord blessed father we give you thanks for the opportunity that we've had this evening of being here before your presence reading the bible and reflecting upon it learning learning lord of these marvelous scriptures lord teach us lead us and guide us always on the way of good teach us and give us knowledge to be able to understand your word and follow your way and please you in everything we want to do your will we want to receive your benefits and we want for you to dwell in our heart heavenly father in the glorious name of jesus christ your beloved son we ask lord that you may have mercy upon all people men women elders children of all ages that have incurable illnesses any type of illness in their body that it may be you healing healing all pain all illness removing pain destroying illnesses curses that the devil has casted and that some of us have been suffering the consequences of all of those curses of all of those illnesses but you will heal us you will cleanse us and deliver us i ask that you may have mercy upon all of those who suffer who are in a wheelchair those who are in hospital beds bedridden or at home bedridden where they cannot move have mercy lord remove all mental illnesses as well mental illnesses cast out all evil spirit all witchcraft all sorcery and all curses 
rebuke all of these spirits. Help these people who cry out to you, who ask you, Lord. They ask for mercy, for healing. Lord, extend your powerful hand, your merciful hand, and cleanse and deliver. Remove all illness and work wonders and miracles. You see, people trust in you. They wait in you, in your love, in your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Manifest yourself. Manifest yourself because these are the signs that you left us to pray for the ill and that you would heal and that you would manifest yourself with them. Blessed Lord, Almighty God, thank you, Eternal God. Thank you, Lord. Bless everyone. Deliver, cleanse, give them happiness and joy in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son. May the glory and the honor and praise be for him forever and ever. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Chorus 12, El gozo chorus 12. del Señor mi fortaleza es. El gozo del Señor mi fortaleza es. El gozo del Señor mi fortaleza es. Y su gozo sin medida Él te da. Si tienes ese gozo, Puedes tú cantar, si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú danzar, si tienes ese gozo, puedes tú gritar, y su gozo sin medida Él te da. El gozo del Señor mi fortaleza es, el gozo del Señor mi fortaleza es, del Señor mi fortaleza es y su gozo sin medida Él me da si tienes ese gozo puedes tú cantar si tienes ese gozo puedes tú danzar si tienes ese gozo puedes tú gritar y su gozo sin medida Él te da Blessed is the Lord The honor and the glory is for our God. Thank you very much, my beloved brothers and sisters. May my Lord bless you all greatly. May God bless you. May God bless you all. And to all who are watching us in this video, many blessings. Thank you.